Hare Krishna. Uh, I am in Los Angeles, just in the last preparations for my flight to Brisbane, Australia. And there are some nice young devotees, or younger than me, which is almost everybody in Iskon now. And so they're going to ask some questions, and I'm going to attempt to answer, and if I get the answer wrong, uh, I will be ejected from this chair. And so it's really in my rational self-interest to get the answers right. Okay, so um, why don't we begin? So we're asking about following the four regulated principles, and when you take a vow, when you get initiated and you're making a promise with your guru, your teacher, and so one of the things in in your book, and Krishna explains... Do you want to be in the film or not? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Krishna explains that lust and anger cover the soul, just as smoke covers fire, and yes. dust covers the mirror. Okay, lust and, so, anger, lust and anger cover the soul as, fi- as smoke covers fire and so on. Yeah, and so that it, it covers our awareness and that the lust and selfish desires. So, so my reasoning of following the principles is that if you we're doing that in order to become pure in order to clear the yes. dust that's on our heart so then when you make a promise and then you end up in a relationship five years later why do you get to pick and choose which principle all of a sudden you need to okay so the point is if you get initiated you make a vow and then five years later you get married or, or, that. or maybe when you're, before that. Yeah. Or it can be, somebody. or dating, yeah, now dating somehow goes on in, in, among <laughs> practicing bhakti yogis, which is an interesting point. And um, so what about your vow and all that? Yeah, because I know, I know people who then are very strict about it and will wait until after marriage. And then the point is, the point is, yeah. Prabhupada did not come to this world to imitate it. Prabhupada came to the world to rectify it, to teach it real culture. And I've heard devotees say to me, well, why can't we do this? Because everybody does it. So I guess one could also eat meat and, you know, just drug your mind into oblivion. So the idea that we should do something because most people do it. First of all, most people are sudras. That's the first point. And so if someone, you know, if your goal in life is to be a materialistic sudra, then I guess there's no good reason not to do it. So the whole point of spiritual life is like most people cannot play the piano very well. But if you're taking piano lessons and you're not practicing and you really play badly and you say, well, most people can't play the piano, so I'm playing badly, so I'm like most people. I mean, if you want to be like most people, you'll never be good at anything. You'll never be a good musician. You'll never, because most people aren't really good. I mean, there's, no, there's no, nothing that most people are really good at. Not music, not athletics, not business, not anything. And similarly, most people aren't good at spiritual life. So to say that I can do something because most materialistic people do it, uh, that means you want to be a materialistic person. It's not my goal of life. I have other goals in life. My goal of life is to go back to Godhead. I would like to develop pure love for Krishna. So um, so the argument that I can do it because most people do it, it seems like a non-argument, unless your goal in life is to be a materialist. Then it's a good argument. Um, Krishna created a system in which there are four ashrams. Now, some people think there are four and a half or five or you know maybe 6.3. <laughs> but actually, there's only four. And so... Uh, it's like they say, you can't be half pregnant. 
And so in the same way, you, you know, you're not, there's no such thing as being half married. Either you're married or you're not married. And so Krishna has created a system with four ashrams. If you think that you can do a better job than Krishna and you want to create a system with five ashrams, including, let's say, the living with someone I'm not married to ashram, fine. So you create your system. We will follow God's system. And let's see, you know, who ends up with a better life. So um, as far as the illicit sex... Uh, Prabhupada gave two definitions, high and low. A high definition of illicit sex, illicit sex is sex not for procreation. The low definition, which Prabhupada also gave, is illicit sex is sex outside of marriage. And so therefore, if we take this full range of definitions that Prabhupada gave, uh, then it turns out that if someone is married and, let's say, does not have sex outside of marriage... Not the highest standard, obviously, but it's still, you can still be a devotee. I've also heard illicit sex defined as like unregulated sex, as in like... Even well, if yeah, married, yeah, but the unregulated like, sex, you know, but, like, but the regulation is yeah. either, there's two regulations. The high regulation is that, because is that you, it's only for procreation. That is the regulation. Mm-hmm. Or... The lo, you know the low, but still in the ball game, the low regulation is only in marriage. Mm-hmm. So what you said is just the same thing I just said. And um, so, you know, it's a free country. People can do whatever they want. And I certainly have no power or no desire to force anyone to do anything. Mm-hmm. All I can do is explain what bhakti yoga is. And if someone is serious and wants to become advanced in bhakti yoga, this is what you should do. Mm-hmm. It's one thing, if someone is at least honest and says that, I would like to follow a higher standard, this is just what I can do right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not so spiritually advanced and this is the best I can do. Okay, everyone will be sympathetic. It's when someone tries to justify their weakness that it gets really silly. And there's only one possible reason that someone tries to justify what is their weakness, and that is out of vanity. Because someone is so attached to their own pride that they, instead of just being honest and saying, I'm not so strong, which, to which everyone would say, okay, just do your best. You know, we still like you, just do the best you can. But when someone tries to justify it and say, no, actually, I'm great, it's just that great people don't, you know, great people ignore Krishna's instructions and create their own system. Actually, great people don't do that. It's kind of stupid people do that. And so it's better just to be honest and, and be honest, which means tell the truth. I would like to be advanced in Krishna consciousness. I feel like I will get there. I'm trying my best, and right now, this is what my best looks like. Mm-hmm. Okay, no one's going to kill you, no one's going to hate you. Mm-hmm. It's just, do your best. It's this sort of blasé attitude where not following Krishna's system is great, and really, my system, Krishna's system, you know, what's the difference? Uh, there's a big difference. So... None of us are perfect. All of us are just trying our best. 
But at least be honest. Mm-hmm. And don't just be a narcissist and try to say that, you know, not following not following Krishna's system is great. That's just sort of ignorant vanity. And wouldn't that um, also apply then to like Guru Kulis or people who are initiated who are... Wouldn't that also apply to Guru Kulis? It applies to, every, it applies to everyone who understands what Krishna's teachings are. It applies to everyone. It, I mean, it's, it's totally irrelevant. Guru Kuli, this one, that one, initiated. That's just, if you want to be Krishna conscious, and if you believe that Prabhupada is representing Krishna, then this is what you should do. It doesn't matter what, you know, what category you're in. It's irrelevant. And the point is that it, it's like, if, you know, like Guru Kuli should drink water, but maybe initiated devotees should not drink water. No, everybody should drink water. So it's just the way it is. It's reality for everyone. It doesn't matter what kind of body you have. It doesn't matter what category you're in. This is just reality. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but again, we're, none of us is perfect. And, but we should try our best and at least have enough integrity mm-hmm. and honesty to admit, I should be doing this. I'm not there yet, but I have faith that by sincerely trying, someday I'll get there. Right. And there's a difference between the four principles that we're talking about and then also talking about devotees that watch TV or watch movies. Okay, the difference between the four principles and devotees that watch TV or watch movies or the Three Stooges, for example. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, it's not sinful to watch a movie. It's not sinful to watch television unless you're really watching very bad types of things. But And even then, it's just watching, but it's obviously not good. So then, why are some devotees fanatical and that you're not like? Personally, personally, what Krishna, what Krishna teaches in the Bhagavad Gita, that we should be moderate. Mm-hmm. We should be moderate. Some people want to have a very monastic life where they never see anything which is not related to Krishna directly, and so and that's fine. You know, that's fine. They're probably not going to be really good at relating to non-devotees, yeah. but. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we shouldn't mix categories. We shouldn't, we shouldn't make a mess. I mean, mm-hmm. if someone, let's say, sees movies, hopefully decent movies, uh, it depends. If someone's binge-watching, maybe that's not good. If someone's watching a lot of, you know, X-rated movies, that's not good. But if someone is just watching movies and is still serving Krishna, uh, it depends. We have to see by the result. That's what Prabhupada said. If someone's just becoming emotionally balanced... And just, you know, becoming, yeah, emotionally balanced and understanding what the world is and, and, and just, and at the same time, they're a sincere devotee and, and trying to serve Krishna. Then obviously, it's not that the person is in like grave danger or something, but it, it depends. It depends on what someone is doing, what they're watching, how they handle it whether it makes them a more balanced, good devotee, or it takes them away from Krishna. Um, I kind of wanted to bring up a, a few points, like back on that illicit sex topic. Yes. Um, I've, I've had like personal talks with people who are initiated and are not initiated. And the people I've had personal talks with, a lot of them are actually breaking this regulation, whether they're initiated or not. And it seems to be some sort of issue in our... 
Okay. So I'm going to repeat that because people out here are waiting. I don't want to keep them waiting. Uh, the idea is that the devotees talk to other devotees, initiated or not initiated, who are struggling with the principle of no illicit sex. And probably not a surprise to most people, but go ahead. And um, I guess my point is... Um, Um, I mean, it's 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 an issue. Is 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 that an issue? Like, I mean, people are getting initiated and they end up breaking their vows. And is it an issue? Well, obviously, a society in which people take vows and break them is not. That's not great. I mean, it's, it's good to have a society in general, whether it's the U.S. Navy or the ISCON or whatever it is. It's good to have an institution or society in which people keep their word. There's obviously. A lot of positive value in that. Do you get karma for being the person who's, who drives that other person down? Like someone who's initiated who made that promise and like for be, for engaging. You mean you mean if if, if, so, like, if someone you know, seduces someone yeah, else or yeah, leads exactly. them into yeah. temptation? Well, before marriage, right? Because the because otherwise it should you should go into yeah yeah. Obviously, if I do anything which is taking someone away from Krishna, there's the devil to pay. It's just That's just common sense. If you do something which is harming someone else in any way, spiritually, physically, emotionally, if you knowingly harm another person, then you obviously get a reaction, whatever the harm may be. Because the whole point of life is that we should help people, not harm them. So if, if someone seduces a devotee, knowing that devotee is trying to follow and and let's say the seducer knows that and actually understands it then it's really um, it's just an act of extreme selfishness that I don't care if you become degraded as long as I can gratify my own wishes so on any level you know whether it's in the Hare Krishna movement or, or anywhere in life it's the general principle if you knowingly cause harm to someone for your own gratification that's that's bad but I, I think where it, could, I don't know what you're going to say next but you can, you can ask but I, I think where it, the issue is is that people probably don't think they're causing harm because they love that person or that, well know, someone doesn't well, well you know, some, like, someone like, doesn't someone like, doesn't if someone doesn't think they're causing harm then they obviously have never heard the philosophy of Krishna consciousness or have never actually believed it so yes, if someone actually doesn't know that we're not the body, if someone doesn't even know social science statistics, if someone doesn't know the extraordinary harm that's caused by, for example, uh, begetting children out of wedlock and then the man and woman don't stay together, and there's all kinds of harm that comes from that. So yes, if someone's basically ignorant, then okay, that's another category. What happens if ignorant people do bad things? So the question is, are we talking about ignorant people or people who actually have heard the teachings of Krishna? So if you think you know better than Prabhupada, if you think you know better than Krishna, start your movement and, and see how many people you enlighten. But it's, it's, it's what, something which I just don't understand is that if people you know, think they know what our teachings are and then just casually disregard those teachings... Uh, what does that mean? It means they didn't really understand the teachings or the person's just a jerk 
Or, you know, what does it mean? I don't know. Either there's different possibilities. Some people are just not good people. Whether they chant Hare Krishna or not, they're just not good people. And some people may have heard the teachings of Krishna consciousness but don't understand them very well. They're not really convinced about them. So there's different classes of people. We have to know what we're talking about. Um, I guess this, just on that point, like um, I, I think it's important to use like maybe examples of people so we can kind of get um, situations. So like I, I know someone who has personally told me, and I, I know a few people who have who have a partner who they're in love with, and maybe even one of them is now married. But at some point, we're we're breaking vows. But you know, they were still practicing. They were still chanting, um, you know, preaching, trying to make devotees. This is another situation of another devotee who was doing this. Um, okay, like, just okay. So people who are practicing Krishna consciousness, but they live together before they're married, and um, then maybe sometimes they even go on to get married, or they continue to service. That's what we're talking about now. Yeah. yeah. Um. What can I say? You know, everyone does their best. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, set a good example for others. So a man may live with a woman and maybe they eventually get married. But most of the time when men and women live together and they're not married, they don't get married. Mm-hmm. And so first of all, so someone who does that, even if they get married la- later, is setting a really bad example for other people. Mm-hmm and is normalizing something which is dangerous and harmful. And so it's, it, it, it's like, you know, maybe you're on a skateboard and you do some trick and you do it well, and then your friends imitate you and end up breaking their head and breaking their arms and legs. Mm-hmm. So it depends, do you care about other people? And if you love someone, uh, you know, one thing I just don't understand, I mean, I really don't get it, mm-hmm. seriously. I just don't understand it, is the idea that you love someone, but you can only love them if you have sex with them. No, I'm, I'm with you on this, because, what, because I... I just don't understand just, that, because, because, for example, the most popular romantic novels in the English language, literally, I mean, in terms of sales and everything, are the books of Jane Austen, all of her books, there's, no, there's not even any bodily contact. I mean, people may shake hands, or maybe you know, a man gives his arm to a lady while they're walking or something. But there's not one kiss or embrace between heroes and heroines. Not one kiss or embrace. And yet they're the most popular romantic novels in the English language, perhaps in the world. And so the idea that you can't love someone and you can't be faithful to that person unless you have sex before you're married is just something I don't understand. That that is so far away from my understanding of even romantic love Mm -hmm. or male-female love that it just, um, I kind of feel sorry for people who feel that way because maybe someday or some life they'll understand what real love is. Well, also from my perspective, I think of it as like, if I really love someone, I want them to uphold their vows. Like I wouldn't want them. Well, obviously if you love someone, you want them to be Krishna conscious. Yeah. So the idea that a man and woman love each other, but they can only love each other if they have sex to me is absurd. It doesn't, it, 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 I mean, why, why use such an elevated word like love? Why not say we're attached to each other? Okay, you're attached to each other, and because that attachment 
is not yet so spiritual that somehow or other you can't control yourself. In other words, just give things their real name. No one's going to kill you if you say that I'm not there yet, I'm not pure. I mean, no one's going to hate you for that. You know, we all have our struggles. Everyone understands it's not, it's not easy to be Krishna conscious. So why not be honest? Why not just say, we're attached to each other, we're not able to control our senses, and so therefore we're in this situation. We wish we could control our senses, but we just can't at this stage, and hopefully we'll make more advancement. Why not just be honest? Why choose vanity over honesty? Because as Lord Chaitanya said, we should be humble. I mean, I don't think anyone really wants to be more tolerant than a tree because people carve their initials in trees. So that more tolerant than a tree thing always scared me. Like, to me, as I just stand there, let people carve their initials in me. So maybe people didn't carve their initials in trees in Lord Chaitanya's time. So maybe yeah. But, um, yeah, why not, since we're trying to become humble, I, don't, I wouldn't declare myself to be humble, but we're trying to be humble, and that's important in order to be Krishna conscious, why not just tell the truth? You know, wh whether you're a guru, whether you're a sannyasi, whether you're just a couple, whether you're a bhakta or a bhakti, I mean, whoever you are, just be honest. If you can't control your senses right now, just be honest about it. You know, and no one's going to hate you. Just be honest about it and, and keep trying. Don't create this little fairy tale in your head that actually there's no difference between following and not following, and there's no difference between married and unmarried. You know, don't don't just don't just create this little fable in your head just so that you can just you can protect your pride. Just be honest have enough integrity to be honest about what you're doing. You're not having sex with someone because you love them. You're having sex with someone because you can't control your senses. Well, okay, it's not easy to control the senses. We're all trying our best. But just you know, give things their real name. Don't, don't play word games and pretend that something is something else. Well, I, no, because that was what I thought. <laughs> and then I, maybe, maybe I wanted to bring up, like, um, because I know some people who actually get married just so they can have sex. And it's like a... It's, he knows people that get married just so they can have I sex. Mean, and that's not the reason, <laughs> that's not the only reason why, but that's maybe one of the reasons why it's rushed. A lot well, of reasons, maybe well it, if, if they stay together... If they take their wedding vows seriously and actually stay together, if a man, because he probably himself taught that if you can't live without sex and get married. So that is the runaway truck ramp. You know, it's like when you're, when you're going down a hill in a truck, they have these ramps, these dirt ramps, where if, you, your, brake, if your truck loses its brakes, you go into that ramp and it goes up a hill. And it's called a you know, runaway truck, an out-of-control truck ramp. And so that's, that's what Prabhupada taught. That's the God-given system. If someone cannot live without sex, then find a suitable partner and get married. Because the whole purpose is to remember Krishna, right? At yes. the end of the day, it's to... It's yes, not to remember Krishna. Krishna. We're trying to remember Krishna. 
So it's really important that all of us be honest with ourselves, honest with each other. And then, I, and then I also notice that some people, when they, a lot of people do that, um, but then we also have like a really high divorce rate, and along with... Okay, the high divorce rate. You know, honk if you appreciate the high divorce rate. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, um, I think one reason for the high divorce rate is the same reason for the high, I mean, we have the same, we have a lot of divorces now for the same reason we had a lot of divorces with arranged marriages, because people have a wonderful ability to go from one irrational extreme to another. So one irrational extreme was, okay, you're a nice boy, you're a nice girl, get married. You know, the old arranged marriage thing, which was obviously disastrous in ISKCON. And so therefore it went to the other extreme, where if I want to marry somebody, I will. I don't care what anyone else thinks except my astrologer, of course. And, um, and, and that's also disastrous. It's really a combination of both. It's really because when someone is, let's say, falls in love or falls in lust with another person and their body starts to really industrially produce love endorphins, mm-hmm. you know, your, your body's just flooding, flooding itself with love endorphins and so, you know, this woman who everyone else thinks is kind of, ugh, is, but no, she's the goddess. And this guy who's, ugh, but oh no, you know, he's, I love him. Anyway, that's a, one of the worst lines of movies. That's from the Goodwill Hunting. Anyway, so, uh, but I love him. So, in one sense, people know their own taste. Like if you say, no, I like this preparation, I want to eat this, someone else, someone else can say, well, no, actually you don't like that taste. Mm-hmm. So everyone has the authority for what pleases them. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, for a man and woman to, you know, to think that, okay, I like this other person, I would like to be with this other person, that's part of it. That has to be there. You can't force feed people's spouses. But on the other hand, people whose bodies are not producing love endorphins and therefore are still clinically sane, uh, especially you know people who are mature, who have experience in life, they should also feel good about it. So we're not talking about just blind arranged marriages and we're not talking about blind self-arranged marriages. Because what we're finding is now that people arrange their own marriages, it's not working out much better. And so the point is, it should be teamwork, that the man and woman themselves, they want that relationship. At the same time, older, wiser people who are not nutty or fanatical or eccentric, just kind of like normal, wise, good elder people. If, you know, if they think, yeah, we can see that this is a nice match, then that's the best that's the best chance probably you'll have at a successful marriage is if the man and woman want it and well wishers who are maybe older and wiser think it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. And of course you gotta check history. Anyone that's ever read Jane Eyre, make sure there's no congenital madness in the family. Or on the second well, it's third, yeah. it was third floor, fourth. Yeah, no, but the, but the point is that um, you have to know. So I remember one time a girl came to me, nice devotee, Guru Kuli, 
It's probably about, my God, how many years ago? Maybe 15 years ago. And uh, she wanted, she was kind of, as we say in this country, associating with some guy. And then she flew to Los Angeles from her country to spend time with him and hopefully make a decision. And she started reporting back to me, like, who his friends were. They were not the greatest people, kind of low-life people. And some of his habits. And so I, I just told her, you know, watch out. Mm-hmm. And she didn't marry him. She eventually got a really nice husband. So, you know, who are this person's friends? What is this person's history? If you're thinking of marrying someone, does this person have a history of keeping their promises? Or does this person have a history of not keeping their promises? Mm-hmm. Because don't think that, you know, you're such a goddess that some man is going to keep his vow to you even though he has a history of being a bum. And the same thing with a man. You know, don't be stupid and think, well, she wasn't faithful to these other men, but she never met me before. You know, that's... A guy that thinks that way definitely should get a prize for being, you know, an idiot. Get an official idiot award. So you have to look at people's history. It's like if you apply to a university... They want to see, you know, what's your history? If you apply for a job, what's your job history? And what is a job or a university? That's nothing compared to marriage. Because in marriage, you're making, if you're a lady or a gentleman, a lifelong commitment. So you're going to commit yourself to spend the rest of your life with someone, to let someone be the father or mother of your children, and you don't even know who they are? You don't even know their history? You don't even know if this person is frankly, prone to insanity? Or does this person have a history of of keeping their promises? Does this person have a history of good behavior? Does this person have a history of mistreating other people? So you'd really better read the ingredients on the label. Otherwise, like a devotee going to a supermarket and I don't have to read the ingredients, I'll just eat it. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's pretty ridiculous. Can I ask about another principle? Another principle. Yeah, that's related to all of this. If we're talking okay. about another person. Um, the uh, no intoxication. No intoxication. And what what does that mean? Is that coffee? Is that is that? I mean, obviously we agree on uh, like alcohol and like, but what about now with like marijuana being legal for CBD oil and stuff, and some devotees not. Yeah, but marijuana, I mean, again, the fact that something is legal is irrelevant. What does that have to do with it? I mean, there's a lot of things that are legal that we would consider to be disgusting or sinful. So the fact that something is legal has nothing to do with it. We're talking about what someone should do if they're trying to practice bhakti yoga and they're trying to develop love for Krishna. So for someone who has a serious intention to be Krishna conscious, what in the world does legal have to do with it? What about the pain argument of it? Well, that's a different issue. You know, medicinal use of different substances is a completely different topic. But 
doing it recruit like someone so like looking for potential partners and things like talking about devotees and saying about looking at their background so then that's something someone who chooses to break that principle just out of recreation well if if someone wants to marry somebody that smokes you know tobacco or smokes marijuana whatever then you know everyone has their level so if that's your level that's your level you know sorry but I i wish you were on a higher level but that's your level some devotees use the example of um I just forgot his name, but the devotee was carving the Lord Jagannath deities, and then like he supposedly Shamasundar Prabhu, and he put like a like a pack of cigarettes or something on top of Lord Jagannath. Like I've heard this before, and Prophet. If that's a true story, that was in the early days of the movement when no one knew anything and no one was able to, you know, it was just just trying to start something. We're that's not where we're at right now. Right. So why? So you know, can't use that argument, right? Well, if someone used that argument, it's completely anachronistic. That was at a time when there was no really structured Hare Krishna movement. Mm-hmm. It's just a bunch of former hippies that Prabhupada was trying to get to help him. Plus, uh, you know, Saima Sundar, as we know, gave up all those things yeah. and became a very serious devotee. Yeah, because ultimately that's the goal. Yeah, so I, I don't understand what that example is. I mean, yeah, if someone if someone's addicted to tobacco, sure, we're not going to hate you or kill you. But uh, there there wasn't even a hard there was hardly a Hare Krishna movement back then, just a few people, and Prabhupada just trying to get. Some, I mean, if you go to the store, and you and let's say you go to the store and buy food, the person that maybe you know hands you the food maybe smokes cigarettes or something, or God knows what they do. So just to kind of not. Well, yeah, just to be kind of clear, because I, you know, I've been on book distribution, and I remember someone asked me, like, you know, I smoke weed and I have back pain. Is is that is that acceptable or is that okay? Someone that says they smoke weed, which is English American <laughs> slang for marijuana. Someone says they smoke weed because they have back pain. I'm not going to comment on medicinal issues. I'm not a doctor. And therefore, you know, unlike many people I know, I'm not going to be an amateur physician. So, yeah, I mean, cases of medical problems, cases of severe pain, I'm not going to comment on. I will say that if someone has serious medical problems and is in severe pain, then clearly it's a different context. But you're not like the one yes. you're talking about is going to see a doctor and having a doctor yes. say, like, yeah. versus... Yes, no, yeah, not, not, I understand, not self-prescribing. So if a doctor tells you that you just need this and there's you know, no, no option, no alternative, you need this for your health, then that, that's just a whole different realm. Or, that, I, or so, that the alternative, some prescription drugs are like worse, like morphine and like other... I mean, I mean when I had my wisdom teeth out, Actually, I had, I had some wisdom teeth out in 1972 just after I took sannyas, and it was one of the most painful experiences of my life. It was like, it was like torturous. So then when I was at Harvard, you know, 20 years later, 23 years later, I had the wisdom teeth out. I just said like, you know, I made sure they gave me stuff to take before I left the dentist because I wasn't gonna go through that torturous pain again. And so they gave me something. I believe, I mean, to be honest, I think it had a little morphine in it or something. Mm-hmm. 
just a pill. I took it for one day and then I stopped and the pain went away. I never took it again in my life. But it's just what I had to do to survive. In that circumstance. Yeah, so I'm not going to get into uh, medical issues. I'm not a doctor. Mm -hmm. And if you have a medical issue, go to a good doctor. What time is it? Really? Oh, I think I better get ready for my trip. Did you have another question? Last question? Is that it? Why do we follow the four regulated principles? Because scientifically, it's in our, we follow the four principles because scientifically, it's in our rational self interest to do so. And do other mocks not do it? Like the, I've heard the Narayan Maharaj devotees don't necessarily follow all four. I couldn't care less what other people do. (laughs) What I care is what I know to be beneficial for me. And, you know, I do things, whatever I do in my life, I can say I do it because it's in my rational self-interest to do so. Mm-hmm. I don't do things just as a ritual or because someone else is doing it or, I don't, or I'm going to stop doing something because I heard that someone else doesn't do it. That is like really unfortunate if someone is so weak and has so little sense of who they are and what their life is about that they just, you know, they just, okay, they're doing it or they're not doing it, so I won't do it. I feel sorry for people like that. I hope someday they develop character. So, you know, Prabhupada, Prabhupada gave us four principles and every all four of them, I know exactly why I follow them. I do not follow them ritualistically. I do not follow them just because there's some angry God that will get me if I don't. I follow them because I know from my understanding of psychology, sociology, my understanding of my own personal development spiritually, that it is completely in my rational self-interest to follow those principles. And therefore I follow the principles in pursuance of my own well-being. And because I'm doing that, the fact that someone else may not follow it, what does that got to do with anything? Why would I care for a moment? I mean. Sure, I wish those people well, but in terms of a factor to influence my decisions, how could that have any relevance to me whatsoever? So if you're looking for some irrational excuse to harm yourself, have fun. And if you're looking to pursue what is actually in your self-interest, so you can have the best life possible, then just listen to what Prabhupada said and do the best you can. None of us are perfect, but just do the best you can. Okay, well, uh, thank you all very much. And uh, thank you out there on Facebook Loka. And I've got to get ready for a long trip to the wonderful land of Oz. I'm going to follow the yellow brick road (laughs) to Brisbane, Australia. Okay, thank you all very much. And actually, out there in Facebook land, maybe we'll be seeing each other when I'm in Australia. We're looking forward to it. A lot of really nice devotees there. It's a beautiful country, and here we go.